Podcast One. Four years ago, Jason Clark closed the door on a failed fitness franchise, kissing $400,000 goodbye. On that same day, his wife gave birth to their second child. Four years on and Jason's never been happier, thanks to a smart business decision, some clever marketing and most importantly, four words uttered by his exhausted wife. It's a tell-all episode 506 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show. A successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of fertile marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner who is well and truly ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And if that's not enough and you are itching to fast track your marketing, then hit me up for a one-on-one coaching session over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big, big episode today. We meet personal trainer, now seven-figure business owner, Jason Clark, whose roller coaster journey proves that we should all follow our passions. This week's Monster Prize draw winner says he's never sought to escape the cubicle, but I've inspired him to start his own business. I'm confused. And I let you in on next week's guest, whose great-great-great-grandfather was the legendary department store owner, David Jones. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Quick update on the Small Business Big Marketing Facebook tribe. It is going along swimmingly. Uh, it's Basically, it's a place to meet me, other listeners, and other motivated business owners and talk about episodes, talk about what's working in our business from a marketing point of view, what's not working. Last week, we had our first fireside chat, which was a Zoom call with as many people uh, as wanted to get on it. It was fantastic. Had some great feedback on that. You can watch the recording of all those fireside chats uh, in the Facebook group. Just search Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Jason Clark has been a personal trainer for 25 years. Well, four years ago, that dream became a nightmare when Jason lost $400,000 of his parents' money. <laughs> Oops in a failed fitness franchise whilst his wife was giving birth to their second child. Wait until you hear the advice she gave him that led to where he is now, the proud founder of a new fitness concept in Brisbane called Perform360 that this year is going to turn over seven figures. Hey, that's a rise out of the ashes. This is such a great story of business determination, or as Jason puts it, an expensive MBA. But I tell you what, where many of us would have just gone, oh, mate, this is all too hard, I give up, Jason has had a second crack and created something special. So let's go and hear how he did it and what role marketing played in this incredible turnaround. Here's Jason describing the time four years ago when he lost $400,000 on a failed fitness franchise. 
The franchise was a model from the US. So I traveled over to the US and uh, had a look at the, the franchise model that they wanted to uh, obviously expand into Australia. So I went over there with the, you know, with the insight of being the sort of managing director of that facility or of that structure. What we needed to do, first of all, was to establish a fantastic business that's operating well, that's got great P&Ls with a great system and a great model. So we sort of had a look at the model in the in the US and we brought it back and it wasn't working initially. And, you know, we, we dumped probably at least $500,000 on fit out, probably went too big too early in my first real experience with business. You know, the flooring, for example, was costing $130,000 and, and it's a 650 square meter site uh, in the middle of the Fortitude Valley in Brisbane. And our lease was, you know, 240k a year. So I love how you're telling me this with a slight smile on your face. It's good, mate. It's good. You've clearly come through the other side. Yeah. You know, well, looking back now, you probably go, well, was that the smartest move, you know, so big so early on? But it was, you know, it ticked all the boxes in terms of location, in terms of our ethos and our passion behind it. But it was just missing something in the delivery. I don't know whether our market was ready for it because it was before. Uh, everyone's probably aware of the F45 model. Ah, uh, so it's sort of like a, an F45, okay, where you go in for 45 minutes of hard yards. Yeah, similar to that model, but it didn't have a fantastic name. Whether that was the, the be-all and end-all, it's you shouldn't live and die by, by a name of the company, but it was those little things that sort of added up over time and, you know, we gave it a shot. You clearly, mate, I saw the guns as you went to sit down for the interview. I mean, you are a fit bloke. Are you Are you very much a personal trainer, a health nut? But when it came to running a business four years ago, you, would it be fair to say that you lacked the experience required? Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, I've been, you know, personal training one-on-one in, you know, big box gyms, good lives and things like that and running boot camps. And I sort of had my own little business within a business but it was very easy. There was 5,000 members in a Good Life Health Clubs that I could just go up and talk to anybody and have a yarn to them about their, you know, their health and fitness goals and just build connections that way. It was a very, very easy model for a personal trainer to um, be successful there, but probably wasn't enough for myself. We wanted our own systems, our own training facility, like any personal trainer has aspirations that want to grow. The next phase was to own a, own a site yourself and yeah, probably didn't have that level of experience on that kind of business and dealing with commercial real estate agents, you know, the P&Ls, just everything from signage to you name it. Like we just caught us by surprise about the, the outgoings. You mentioned 500 grand. I think in, in my notes, 400 grand, a lot of dough. Was that borrowed from family and friends or from the bank? Yes, borrowed bank, family and friends to set that up. And we had a boot camp company that sort of funded a lot of that as as well. And that was that initial fit out cost. And then you've obviously got our monthly expenses were forty to $50,000 a month. So we were falling behind. And obviously, how do we keep a business afloat? You're tipping in your own cash. And we, we tipped in our own cash every month for three years. Wow. On top of the initial setup cost. So it was a very hard time. It was a very hard time. Now, added to that, your beautiful wife was in hospital delivering your second child at the time when you decided enough is enough. Tell us about that time. Yeah, so that was bittersweet, probably the best way to put it, because my son was born on a Thursday and we were in negotiations with the, the commercial real estate agent company. 
the plans were to go month by month because they don't want to see a site that's not filled that they can lease out to a potential tenant. So they were pretty happy to keep us inside and make it look like that the facility was still humming along and we opted out. But we got an email on pretty much 5pm on a Friday night. Uh, so this is 30 hours after my son was born that they weren't happy with going month to month and they're going to have to, we're going to have to walk away because we couldn't afford paying the rent, which they were fully aware of at the time. So yeah, literally, as any sort of new father knows, the skin to skin time is very important. So I was having my little, you know, little baby boy, 30 hours old on my chest while I was texting members and texting staff and organizing meetings for the next day and uh, closing that business. How do you feel reflecting back on that time? That's, a, that's an interesting question because if I get asked by anybody these days, if you had a two-year-old and a one-day-old, would you go set up a new business? Would you close a business? The answer is like, look within. You know, you've really got to really navigate that internally to see if you've got the power to do it. Looking back, I probably would have changed things in, in a timeline sense, but it actually gave me no plan B for the next operation that we wanted to do. So I guess uh, there's the, the shining armour there, I guess, in terms of progressing forward. You had an interesting conversation with your wife while she was in hospital on the Friday. I think she looked you in the eye and uh, tell us about that. She could tell that the email wasn't great and she always knew that we wanted to do this other business that was more aligned with our ethos and uh, she basically looked me in the eye and said, if you want it, go do it but you've got a lot on the line here, pretty much with those words. There was a maybe a few F-bombs in there. I'm not quite sure. I reckon there probably were. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she sort of said, you know, through gritted teeth, you've got to make it work and this time it's got to be on your terms. How dark did it get, Jason? Yeah, look, you know, we were staring down the barrel of losing losing the house, um, trying to finance the new business, just go straight into it, the business that we're in now, how we're going to come up with the money for that. We saw, I sold my cars, looked at selling the, you know, the house, trying to come up with some capital that way and just obviously refinance a lot of mortgages and a lot of loans through the obviously, you know, the banks and things like that so I can come up with the payment plans and so forth. And then... It wasn't until probably four to six weeks after the closure, you go through the process of the liquidation process. And that's when you get a little bit of a, a mark against your name in terms of borrowing capacity. So it was fortunate that we were able to scrounge up a little more money from family, from friends, from banks before we were actually, you know, liquidated. Wow. Because, you know, there was no chance of getting any funds that way. Uh, sorry, do you mean you scrounge money uh, from the business to pay back to some family and friends or more money from family and friends to put towards the next idea? More money, yes. Tell me about that. Like, uh, really? Like, so you've got another idea. Like, you've got two choices here. You go to the, the closest corner and curl up in the fetal position and give up or you find the mental strength. You've got the physical strength. You find the mental strength to go forward, which requires you to either go back and find a job, by the way, you could have done that, or to bring another business idea to life, which requires you to go knocking on the family and friends' doors. What made you think that was a good idea? Clearly it was because you're here to talk about it. We'll get to that. Yes. Um, I had a full-time job with a well-renowned Australian brand in the fitness industry being the, the national PT director. When, when did this job come in? Where, sorry, where, where was, when did you have that job? That fell in the lines of closing the business of 
business one in between that and opening business number two. So I actually did that role for a certain period of time and it sort of got me through the phase of closing one, opening another business, but it wasn't for me. I knew that I needed to try this again. I saw it as a, a very expensive, I guess, degree in terms of how to run a business, where we went wrong, what was the concept? Was it the was it the method behind it? Was it, you know, all these sorts of things that I had to address and I needed another crack. And if you're going to be in huge amount of debt, then you may as well do it in your 30s, then your 60s. So that was sort of my mindset. You came up with the idea for Perform 360, which is your, your current business, Jason, which is going beautifully. And I want to find out at, at, at what you've done in order for that to happen. I just find that the, the in-between quite incredible. What made you think that your idea for the next business was going to be a cracker? There was no one doing what we were doing in our business now. So there was no one running what we call small group training. So we wanted to bring back the level of service. So the 24-hour gym, the the Globo gyms, CrossFit was taking off, F45 was around, not as big as it was today. But there was these brands that were coming out and they were either a $10 a week, a $30 a week or a $50 a week brand. So what we want to do is bring back the service, bring back the quality coaching, bring back that technician and that real intimate service, but charge a higher price point. So there was nobody doing that in our space unless you went for one-on-one training where you can charge you know, $100 and $150 an hour. So we looked at it and said, well, how can we come up with this concept that we only need to service 150 members to 200 members, yet give them the service, the productivity, the programming, the injury prevention, the level of community that everyone needs to excel. Uh, and this was the perfect model for us. In Mark Boris's terms, there's no one, no one can really competes at the top. So that's where we sort of found that we needed to pitch ourselves and we believed in our level of expertise and service within the industry that we could sort of pull this off and, um, and start over again. It's all very well for someone like yourself to be passionate, have an idea, had a big, big lesson in business by losing the first one. Tell me about the conversations you have, though, with friends, family, and banks that say that says, "Give me another chance." Like, what made them say yes? Are you are you just a really good talker? It's 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 a hard to define. It's the banks obviously look at your financial status without throwing in the character or your level of expertise or your level of experience within the industry. So it was probably easier for me to have the parents that were willing to to help out. That you know we're still needed to pay back as well. So that was uh, our way of sort of stepping into that next facility. But we didn't need to expose ourselves and borrow as much money for the second site because we've learned from does it need a $500,000 fit out for people to come? No, it doesn't. It just needs quality uh, service and a real strong community too that people want to be in. And we just want to be the best part of our members' day. And if we can achieve that, then people will come and people will, will, you know, will talk. So coming back to that, answering that question of how did we have that conversation with the parents, it was just they saw the passion and they, and they just – they saw that we needed to do it again. We needed another crack. And we were still relatively young. You know, I was, I was 36, 37 at the time. So 
you know, as I said, why why not? Your parents or your wife's parents? My parents, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the in-laws. It's like, oh, here we go. Here yeah. comes son-in-law. Yes. <laughs> you, you also convinced a business partner to come along for the ride. Is it about Brent or? Yes. Yeah. My business partner, Brent, he was with me in the facility that failed as well. So we both, you know, learned that sort of lesson together. And believe it or not, this system that we're running now is something that Brent and I discussed 12, 15 years ago. Uh, we just got sidetracked by the glitz and the glamour of the US model. It sort of, you know, detracted us from our original plan. So it's nice to come back to that original plan and, and go with your, your gut instinct because I'm a big believer, you know, your gut is your second brain. We sort of really educate that in terms of nutrition and health. You know, if you want sort of cognitive function, then you need to eat well, exercise well. But also too, it's, it gives you power in helping the decision process. So you got the dough from mum and dad, uh, Brent, your business partner's come on board, your wife's giving the, you the steely look and put the fear of God into you. So this one's not going to fail, it can't fail. Uh, you got two young kids at home, you got a job, which I imagine sounded like quite a busy job being the head of PT nationally. How do you get Perform 360 off the ground? Tell us about the lead up to the launch and getting it out into the marketplace. Okay, so getting it in the marketplace was just, it was a side hustle for a little bit there, but I pretty much had to leave that full-time role as we got closer to opening up the new facility. It was a basically a, an 18 to 20-hour-a-day job. There was a lot of things to set up in terms of marketing and concepts and layout. We were actually in the facility when we signed the lease and we, we got the keys to the door Myself and Brent were in there cleaning lights and up on uh, on scissor lifts eight meters high and blowing out dust and repainting. So we did a lot of the fit out ourselves from you know six a.m. to eight p.m. Did I see my sons you know much in that three month fit out phase? The answer is no. Um, that's just the things that we had to do, and I've got to make it up to my wife now in terms of the, the time that I sort of spent away setting up this new business. We're catching up now, so which is which is good because you know we put the hard work in, and um, it's prevailing for us. You are catching up now because I mean clearly that's a really important part. You know, family reconnecting. You are running now a business that's turning over a million dollars in annual revenues. Well done. By the way, I mean, I just think that's thank you. It is incredible, and and I, I want to understand how you've done that because I actually look at gyms and wonder how they make money. You are finding time though as you grow and and you want to expand and you want to do a whole lot more things. You've established you've got proof of concept now, yes, million bucks a year revenue. That's good. You're finding the time for yourself, for your wife, for your kids. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely finding that balance more um, these days. It probably only been the last sort of twelve to eighteen months. You start becoming less of the technician within your business and working in the business and you've just got to have that slow progression of changing from that technician to the manager and then the manager to, I guess, the leader. And that's a small step and that small process over time. It was something that we didn't rush because we always knew that, okay, for us to pull on a new staff, which is going to cover us being the technician, then we need to make sure that we have the financial backing for that. There's been on occasions where we put a full-time staff on and we didn't actually have the income or the revenue to support that full-time staff, but we saw the value in having that person so we could then work on the business a little bit more. And it's always proven to be a, a great little strategy for us. Uh, you're doing a million bucks this year in turn annual turnover. How long has that taken you to get there? 
Uh, we're in four and a half years now. You on budget? On target? You happy with that? We're on target. I don't know if I can mention the whole COVID nineteen, but uh, we're going to come to that. We are <laughs> going to come to that because I mean that's impacted your industry hugely. But I know you've done some things to navigate that. Yes. But before COVID nineteen comes along, to get to your million bucks a year, one or two things that you did. Maybe it was from a marketing perspective, a staffing perspective. Uh, was there a couple of levers that you pulled where Perform three hundred and sixty has taken off? It never really sort of took off in a – it was been more linear over that, that process. Not like a vertical. It's not up and down like the stock market. It's been more linear. Not, not vertical. Not like a rocket. There are programs within the site that definitely help and boost revenue. So, i.e., you know, eight-week challenges, these sort of other ways to sort of build your business and get some more marketing out there. The easiest way to market your business is to have a concept or have something that is going to be exciting for people. And once we get people in the door, then we're helping re-educate them that, you know, health and fitness is, is a long process. It's a, it's a forever thing. You know, you shouldn't sign up to a facility that you're comfortable with knowing that you can get out in six weeks' time. It's like, it's like a marriage, right? You, you sign up for good. <laughs> so that's what we want to portray. Yeah. What is it about Perform360? I mean, we haven't really touched on what Perform360 is in detail. I mean, it's a gym facility. It's small uh, personal training classes. You have yoga and, and, and other offerings. The premise is, though, it's, it's personalized, is it? It's, it's, it's not some big box gym, as you call them. No, that's right. It's very, very personalized. We know our sort of niche market and our demographic is for those people that are aged between more 30 to 50 who really just want to regain their health back. And they've probably tried little bits and pieces along the way and just not really satisfied with the level of service and fitness that they got out of previous you know, systems. Whether it was their buy-in or whether it was, wasn't the right time for them, we just feel like we're kind of like the end of the chain of a lot of people's procedures and trying out facilities and trying the next thing. But we are a very community-based and we bring people together in that small group setting. So it's our way of delivering a very, very unique service that's very hands-on, very injury prevention and you know just having that level of service and coaching because if the groups are too big, we just can't simply do our jobs in terms of uh, injury prevention and making sure they're excelling and getting the results that they they desire. So it's those little things that we've really sort of honed in on and bringing back that level of service. And, you know, we know their kids, we know their dogs, we know their injuries, we just know they, where they work and it just provides that, that results. And, and everyone's welcome. It's that when you walk into the door, it's that really, really welcoming environment. Everyone has says hello, everyone fist bumps. We're not, you know, these days, but it's a it's a lo-fi fist bump combination for everybody uh, without fail. So it's that real community feel. I, I suggested before I wonder how gyms make money. I'm interested in your answer to that. I look at them and go, they try to sign up as many people as possible, hope not all come at once and hope then that people forget to cancel their memberships. I imagine you're a bit different to that. So I'm interested in how you make money as well. But first of all, gyms. Yes. So that's where I think a lot of gyms try to be something for everybody. We're, our demographic is not the, you know, the 20s to 30s. We know our demographic and, we, and we're really sort of honing on that marketing as well. So I think it's really important to understand who you're trying to attract to your business uh, and really hone in on that. Try not to be something for everybody. 
So yes, we do some yoga, we do some you know gymnastics and things like that to keep the variety there. But we know if someone wants to excel at swimming, well, we're not going to be the best facility that. We can help you with some strength and conditioning for swimming, but we're going to refer you on to someone who's a swim coach. So, and I think that's really important. It's such a, it's such a great point. You know, I, I've had this conversation numerous times on the show. I had Seth Godin on the show a couple of months ago. He reinforced it with the quote, you know, he talked about his wife's gluten-free bakery saying, it's not for everyone, but it might just be for you. He followed it up by saying, every business just needs a thousand raving fans. You don't need 10,000, 20,000, 100,000. And I just think it's a really important point. It does take courage to say, I mean, for you, 30 to 50-year-olds, you know what they want, you know the language they speak, you, you have insights into them that you can then create marketing messages, training programs and environment that hits them right between the eyes. That's what you've done, isn't it? Yes. So you are polarizing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, I think that's really important for people out there. They've got to understand who their target market is and just hone in on and don't get distracted by you know, the shiny light over that way or the shiny light over that way because you just got to hone in and not be distracted and, and just, you know, stick to your guns and uh, it, it will eventually prevail. You've been hugely distracted by a bright, shiny light, so you've learned, but sometimes it's hard. Marketing's a classic example of that. You know, a new social media channel comes along, you know, TikTok's the big one at the moment. Oh, I've got to get on TikTok. Got to get, you know, like, do you? I mean, there are some fundamentals clearly in running a business like yours and marketing a business like yours that you just got to stick to. And that's right. I mean, once again, TikTok is that our demographic. You know, I think it's for the younger kids. <laughs> so, do we really, you know, do we really want yeah. uh, or, or need, you know, the fifteen to sixteen-year-olds? Even though we've got a junior athlete program, but it's not our demographic. Yeah. So, I think it is easy to get distracted. There's so many platforms out there: Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and it's really easy to get distracted. Yeah. How does Perform Three Hundred and Sixty make money? Is it a monthly membership? Yeah, everyone's on a fortnightly direct debit, and it. Really Really does base on how many small group personal training sessions that they they want a week, but yeah, we're in the price point of you know ninety to to one hundred and thirty dollars a week, so that and that's why we are going above and beyond and always trying to see how we can value add to our business in terms of keeping our members engaged. If someone doesn't turn up to a session that they've booked in for, they're getting a text from us saying, "Hope you're okay. Is everything okay?" You know. I want to see you in the next session. So it's that follow-up that's really, really important for people that they feel like they're, you know, they're being loved, they're not being forgotten about, but yet, you know, we can't help you to your goal if you're not going to train with us. So that's part of the process as well. So we really do need that engagement. We really need that three to four times a week for us to facilitate what we promise in our, I guess, our point of sale. And so we really need to, that adherence and it's up to us to, to make sure that adherence stays strong. Otherwise, they'll cancel within a week or so of not training because we are that higher price point. You've got the, a real advantage as a gym owner, which is you're building community. I mean, you are directly building community. You're not selling, uh, you know, it's not transactional like you're selling a product once or anything, whereas you can really do a lot of work on bringing people together, engaging them, making them feel as though they belong to something, encourage them, inspire them. What, what, what's the best marketing that you've done for Perform360, Jason, that's generated that's generated new inquiry? It's, it's funny. I used your podcast and it's uh, Cham. Oh, yeah. Cham Tang, Facebook expert. Yeah, he's a Facebook expert. I'm digging right into the, you know, the marketing side of things. I guess that's my role within the business now is I attract the people 
and the leads to come into our facility and then my business partner and my team you know, help them stay by the service that we're providing. So his uh, one-day course was really, really beneficial for me, just learning the ins and outs of the Facebook backend, knowing how to sort of target your specific audience and if they, you know, they happen to go to your website, how to retarget them. It's been hugely beneficial because otherwise, you know, you're just wasting money and throwing, you know, money on marketing that you don't know who you're getting. It's sometimes Facebook can still be like that old school flyer drop type marketing where you you get 10,000 flyers printed, cost you $1,000 for a designer and it costs you another, you know, $1,000, $1,500 to, to get 10,000 delivered. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if that household's really suited for your, for your business. So Facebook can sometimes be like that, but you've got to learn how to really direct your audience and figure out how that that backend works. And that was really, really beneficial for me going forward. We knew our target market, so that wasn't a problem. So that's where it became easier in the backend and really sort of hone in on that audience. That's awesome, buddy. Facebook advertising for you. Great story so far, Jason. Massive down, a massive up, and now we've hit another down with COVID-19. Uh, I imagine your industries, but like the hospitality industry, has been particularly hit, uh, and some have gone under, and others are wondering what to do next. How have you coped? How's it affected you, and how are you navigating your way through it? Yeah, look, you know, to to say to all the businesses out there, it's I really feel for all the small businesses, you know, out there in in any business, they all seem to be struggling. Whether it's plumbers, builders, you know, the fitness, the cafes, the restaurants, it's it's tough out there. We saw a, we saw our closure before it happened, so we had plans in place to really navigate around that. So we had an online system ready to go for our members. Did we have an online system ready to go for externals? Not so much, but our members were able to hire our equipment. They were able to facilitate and do their training session via our online system at home. So we've been coaching them through Zoom and they've been logging in their workouts through our app and with the use of our equipment. So yes, we've lost 60% revenue right now, but that has kept the doors open for sure. And we're going to come through the other side. So that's how we've sort of adapted in, in these times. It looks like we might be getting reopened soon. So it, whether that comes back at full capacity, we don't anticipate that it will. It'll be sort of you know sixty to seventy five percent capacity, I think, in June, July. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but I guess for my business partner and myself, looking back on our adversity, this is kind of nothing for us. And I know we're in a different position to a lot of other businesses. But for me to lose five hundred, four hundred thousand dollars and have two very very young boys going through a closure and opening up a new facility. You know, this COVID-19 is kind of just another bump in the road. You talked about online, going online for existing members. Um, has it forced any big innovation? I've seen a few businesses like really think hard and and pivot almost 180. Yeah, and look, we had to do that in the first week. We had to pivot that whole business, had to, that new structure, that feeling. It was I was actually liberated. It felt like I was opening up a facility again. I felt just energized. All right, okay, we've got to pivot you know, 180 degrees and turn this face-to-face straight into an online system. I, you know, I had those those juices flowing of, oh, this is a new business almost. So, I was actually really excited for it. And we did that within a week and, and got everything up and running. And would we be able to survive now, you know, paying the rent that we're paying on the revenue that we're doing? You know, probably not if everything was 
normal, uh, we'd need to see that revenue back up again. So, but obviously, you know, landlords have come to the party and there's a few incentives out there for small businesses, which you've got to thank your lucky stars. If, you know, if businesses do get through this, then you'd want to go through this process in Australia, I, I believe, than anywhere else in the world. So I think we're very fortunate of what's been happening from a government standpoint for small businesses as well. No doubt. Jace, have you, you repaid the in-laws? <laughs> That's the big final question. Uh, it's still not It's not 100% paid off yet. But you're chipping away at it. <laughs> so we're looking at <laughs> we're, we're chipping away and um, you know we're looking for site two, site three. And I could sort of see the little uh, the eyebrows raised a little bit when uh, oh, you're looking for sites two, site three, but yet you haven't paid back your debt yet. <laughs> so I'll just keep that there. So you, you expansion, is, is the expansion local or interstate? Yeah, we'll go local. Yeah, we'll go local for now. We would like uh, one in every sort of corner, I guess, so north, south, east, west, possibly some, something in the middle at this stage. So, yeah, we'd, we're definitely on the on the hunt. Bring one up to Noosa. I, I have actually looked at Noosa. I have looked at Coolum. Um, yeah, so it's all it's all happening up there, yes. Jason, it's a fantastic story. Um, I, you know, I, I love the fact that you've come out the other end and you built something that now you love, you know. It's awesome speaking to business owners that actually, you know, have brought an idea of their own to life and you, you must feel incredibly on purpose. Well done. Uh, perform-360.com.au is where you can check out what Jason's up to. And, buddy, I wish you and the family all the best. Go home and hug the kids. Thanks very much, Tim. I just want to thank you seriously that you are doing what you're doing in a marketing sense. I've been telling as many people as I can about you've got to know your business and you've got to start marketing it. You may as well not have a product if you don't know how to market it. So there's a lot of technicians out there that are great at their job, but they don't know how to you know, draw people to their business and actually make a difference in this world. Uh, and that's what we're all trying to do. So I thank you for being who you are and providing the content that you just do just seamlessly. Like, it's great to listen to, buddy. That's awesome, brother. Well, you just won the Monster Prize draw as well. So well done. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. No problem. Thanks, Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Well, there you go, team. Jason Clark of Perform360. What a fantastic turnaround story. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat. Attention grabber number one. First and foremost, I love the courage Jason showed in getting back on the horse and starting another business after dropping (laughs) $400,000. Not of his own money, of his mum and dad's. Wow. Attention grabber number two. I love Jason's advice to avoid bright, shiny objects. This applies to life in general, basically, but certainly from a marketing point of view, there's always something new coming along. Jason stuck to the fundamentals and has built a great business. When he followed the bright, shiny object, he lost everything. Attention grabber number three... I love his advice around learning the ins and outs of Facebook. We talked about that with Cham Tang a couple of episodes ago. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 506 to a Facebook course that I suggest you all do. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time and implement it. Oh, yes, indeedly, doodly, it's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is 
long-time listener, Daniel Sapseed of salesnomad.co. And Daniel says, hey, Timbo, you talk a lot about business owners, entrepreneurs, and cubicle escapees, but don't forget us employees as well. Fair call. I've never really sought to escape the cubicle. However, I love your show. Marketing is a passion, and I use the concepts and ideas from yourself and your guests in my work life with customers. I'm a sales manager and deal with small business owners every day. A massive part of what I do to stand out from the crowd of sales purchases, order takers, is try to help them in their business, not just sell them something. I've often used ideas from your show to help them. Recently, I was re-listening to some episodes and one that stood out for me was the episode with Daniel from Huxterburger about sharing your knowledge to build a tribe. That and Michelle Bridges' JFDI hashtag, which stood for just F and do it. Her philosophy has led me to start building my own little side project called Sales Nomad. Oh, I like that. My aim is to help other salespeople, especially those who travel for work, not only survive the road, but thrive in what they do through tips, tricks, and hacks. Cheers, Daniel from salesnomad.co. Daniel, that's awesome, brother. As a result of listening and implementing, you have won a range of liars, non-alcoholic spirits, a hardcover of Jamie Mustard's book, The Iconist, uh, vouchers to use with flora and fauna, and tradies undies, eight pack of Mr. Lee's noodles, promotion on this show, and a backlink in the show notes. You got to be happy with that. If you haven't entered the monster prize draw, everyone else, just send me a, a short email to Tim at Tim Reed reid.com.au, share one idea that you've learnt from this show and what impact it's had on your business. And if I read it out on air, you win. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to drop me a line over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 506 if you have a question or comment about what we've covered today. There's plenty more where this came from, though, on the Podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive of episodes and blog posts is over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Got some great guests coming up. If you have someone in mind, though, that you'd like me to interview, it might even be you. Go ahead and pitch me at tim at timreed.com.au. If you're getting value from listening, then please let other business owners know about the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, which was presented by me, Timbo Reed, and cleverly put together by the surprisingly attractive team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. <laughs>